Okay, today on the podcast, I'm chatting with Pat Duffy, the co-founder of The Giving Block. The Giving Block is an organization that have made it way easier for nonprofits and charities to accept cryptocurrency. And as a result, given crypto donors way more choice in the market of which organizations they'd like to donate to. And we chat about that. We talk about the crypto space, you know, the motivations for, for using uh, Bitcoin and other, other assets, other cryptocurrencies to donate. Uh, you know, what Pat's been seeing in the U.S. market specifically and, you know, what you should be looking at as a nonprofit if you're if you're starting to consider crypto as a, as a new donation route. So, yep, I hope you enjoy it. Here's my podcast with Pat Duffy. Hey, Pat, good evening. Welcome to the Task podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, my pleasure. It's we've we've uh, we've been back and forth a bit, so it's good to get good to get you on. I've been looking forward to this and and you know to to kind of get into some of the stuff you guys are doing. As as an intro, I will have done a bit of an intro for our audience, but only a short one. Um, be great just to get a bit more of a uh, bit more of an in depth introduction to yourself and the Giving Block, what you guys do before we get into it. That would be great. Yeah, yeah, hundred uh, percent. So I am one of the two co founders of the Giving Block. Um, it's a company we set up to equip charities to one, accept cryptocurrency, uh, to fundraise cryptocurrency. So best practices and, you know, protocols that help charities drive in more donations, drive up that revenue through partnerships, major gifts, et cetera. Um, and then three build crypto philanthropy programs. The third and final step is sort of building the rails mostly within the crypto ecosystem. So integrations on crypto exchanges, wallet providers, tax software companies, building crypto philanthropy programs with the companies that make the crypto ecosystem tick and then kind of work with the major, um, you know, media outlets and influencers to build up a culture of giving in the crypto space. We try to run point from both sides of the fence. And um, we've been doing that since, I guess, early 2018 now. So a few years. Cool. So you got, I mean, yeah, that was going to be one of the questions. How long have you guys been doing it? So a couple of years and or three, three kind of years. Like, what, what are you seeing? I mean, this year, I think there's been a, a, I don't know if you call it a revived interest, but there's been a lot of talk again around the space. Have you seen, you know, a lot of buoyancy, a lot more happening in, in kind of 2021 in, in, in the crypto space in general and with charity interest and donating and stuff? Definitely. It's really interesting. It's one of those things where, um, you know, donor interest has always like far outpaced uh, nonprofit interest, just the amount of money and users in the crypto ecosystem is always like far outweighed how many nonprofits are trying to get it. So it's one of those things where like, mm. even in 2018, when we worked with a couple dozen nonprofits, like they did really, really well. And now in 2021 with 400 nonprofits that are actively fundraising, um, you know, it, it feels like the growth would outpace kind of the, you know, the donor volume, but we're, we're seeing more donations on average to each of our nonprofits than, even back in the day, just because, uh, you know, the charitable ecosystem isn't keeping up. It's one of those things where you have nearly 120 million crypto users, right? And, you know, anywhere between, you know, 1.3 and $2 trillion or so in the crypto ecosystem due to all the volatility. And people are yeah. moving into and out of it constantly, and they've got a lot of capital gains to offset. And the only way to do it is if they donate it directly. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's an exciting time. More nonprofits are actively fundraising, I'd say is the big differentiator. And that's just because they're watching people like Jack Dorsey and, and mm. Twitter and, um, you know, 
uh, Square and Cash App and then hedge funds putting money into crypto, endowments diversifying in. I think the institutional money is really making a lot of the difference. Yeah, and you, you touched on it there. I mean, and I've listened to some of your other podcasts and, and this for me is really interesting for our audience. You know, the, the because a lot of charities, uh, you know, nonprofits are looking at, you know, how do they get into this space? But before we talk about that, you know, the motivations, I mean, there, there is the, the motivation of, of being generous and, and uh, you know, wanting to give, wanting to support those charities, but there are also tax motivations. You touched on it there do you want to just kind of just go into that a bit more because i i listened to one of your other podcasts where you talked about it a lot and i hadn't realized some of these you know kind of market motivations tax motivations that exist in terms of you know why people will go and make donations in in crypto and and also is it in crypto is it is that just in bitcoin or how does it differ no all good questions um so yeah there there's kind of two motivations right there's the first motivation which is why you're giving crypto to begin with and then there's the secondary motivation which is like charitable selection and how they give like who are these people it's like okay they've decided to make a gift but like what now like who are they giving to why do they give how do they like to give what do they care about um for the why they give yes primarily in the u.s in particular that tax incentive is super strong so that Mm. drives up a lot of the action especially for the major gifts you got to remember for cryptocurrency users it's not just like a donation method it's a donor demographic like their lives are built around this thing you've you've probably met people who are in crypto and they you know people who talk crypto and blockchain it's their baby they love it they've been obsessed with it for forever they've been building up this little pile of crypto that they've been chipping money into for forever in 2013 2014 2015 everybody told them they were crazy and now bam it's worth a gazillion dollars people don't like giving that stuff up so People love when nonprofits get into crypto, quote unquote. If you're giving grants out into it, that's cool. You're using blockchain, that's cool. When it comes to them giving up their actual crypto, handing it from themselves over to you, there better be a really good reason. Um, yeah. So tax incentives primarily are that force. In the early days before the tax incentive was commonly understood in the US, a lot of nonprofits got uh, credit card, ACH, wire, et cetera. They would get boosts in those donations by saying they take crypto, even though they wouldn't actually get any crypto because no one wanted to give it. We called those like high five donors. Um, So the only reason people were giving to the charity is because they take crypto. Like that's how they got in front of these people to begin with. It was a marketing play, it was a really slick maneuver, Um, but they're always given with a credit card. And that that script has flipped um, Mm. over the last year or so in particular. Just we've partnered with a lot of accounting firms, tax software companies, tax software uh, services in the crypto space have now raised a hundred million dollars sometimes. Like these are big entities with a big um, presence in the ecosystem. So now the, the tax consciousness as the IRS kind of caught up in 2014 moving forward has become more front of mind. So taxes, yes, first and foremost. And then the second piece, just because it's a very long answer, we can dig into, I guess a little earlier or later in the combo rather, um, about like then how do they make their charitable selection? Um, but to answer the third part of your question, yes, not just Bitcoin. It's all of the top cryptocurrencies, though Bitcoin and Ethereum are definitely the two main drivers. Well, I mean, that actually prompts another question, that, which, which I kind of had is, and, you know, I think people who don't understand the, the crypto space or, or have just kind of heard of it or, you know, reading the, the news, they think about Bitcoin. I mean, Bitcoin is, is one of, many in terms of what you're seeing across the the donation landscape though is it a lot about bitcoin or is it you mentioned ethereum there 
you know, you know, is it is it a kind of mixture of of assets of currencies that are used for donating, or is it predominantly Bitcoin? It's more uh, than Bitcoin now, now than ever, or, or more now than ever. It's diversifying into these other cryptos. Bitcoin is still the primary player for a number of reasons, right? So there's the old school crypto users. You have to yep. remember for the tax incentive to come into play. The reason people donate to charities um, from a tax standpoint is to offset capital gains and to get a write-off. So if you're donating cash out of a bank, you just get the write-off, then you graduate up into property assets like stocks, cryptocurrency, a house, a car, et cetera. Mm. And then there's two variables, right? Like how much has this asset appreciated? Like how much taxable gain do you have that you're now trying to not have to pay, i.e. by making a donation? Um, and then how easy is it to transfer? Because, you know, it's pretty tough to donate a bunch of cars to a bunch of different charities in a yeah. matter of seconds. Um, so that's where crypto comes in. Bitcoin remains this really big player, despite the fact these new cryptocurrencies are growing a lot over time because of its dominant market share. Because you have to remember, like so many of these people who have crypto or, or Bitcoin rather specifically, like they were buying this stuff in 2011 and 2012 and 2013 mm. and 2014. There's still piles of these people, you know, thousands and thousands out of the 120 million. Um, there, there's, I think now it's something like a little over 100,000 is the estimate, like Bitcoin millionaires. And then there's, yep. you know, billionaires and other folks included um, who have piles of Bitcoin. They've never made that gift yet. You know, they're still sitting on that asset that they bought it three cents a unit or whatever if that's an exaggeration of course although some people did get it then um but let's say you bought it at a grand and now it's worth thirty thousand dollars a unit like you're not holding stocks or a piece of property that's appreciated that much um so those big hits you know the pineapple funds of the world that decide to give 56 million dollars uh yeah. in that one big lump those are the big fish you want to get out there although from the marketing play and from an individual uh donor standpoint like kind of your your user growth from a nonprofit view, these altcoins, the NFT platforms, these really active online communities, um, there's a lot of little bubbles you can pop into almost like uh, you can think of different hashtags on Twitter. There's not like one primary hashtag, of course. Um, you kind of dip into and out of these different ones as they rise and fall to get these different people paying attention, magnifying your message. You know, it's interesting when you're chatting about. Uh, I think this the the tax motivation. I'm assuming is a U.S. centric thing. I don't know whether it whether do you know whether it exists in other other territories or is it is it very much a U.S. the capital gains motivation is that is that a U.S. tax law? No, yeah, they've they've definitely got it in other countries. It's a primary motivator in the U.S., um, but it's still pretty. Uh, secondary in terms of the messaging. It's not like nonprofits go on Twitter okay. all day and they talk about tax incentives. It's yeah. front of mind for why a lot of these major donors give, uh, especially as older money moves into DAFs and whatnot, where they're starting to diversify into crypto. These old money donors who have been giving traditionally one way versus another, as they diversify into Bitcoin, even if they just diversify for the first time this year, you know, the 95% of hedge funds who say they're going to start getting Bitcoin over the next five years, um, those funds, as long as their Bitcoin outperforms the other assets they're holding, that's what they'll donate that year. So um, that's what I mean from the, the tax okay. incentive piece. So they're like typically financial sector. Yeah. So, so they're typically that's typically institutional money. It really, it's not not necessarily an individual with with an ass with a with holding asset or it's typically coming from institutions, is it where they're looking at the offsetting um, individual? Yeah, yeah, institutional and the major gifts. Um, yep. You know, you've got the major gifts, the plan giving, the institutional, um, 
those fronts, especially in the US, are like highly tax motivated. Uh, but then everything outside of that, you know, that bottom 90% of the, the donor pool, they're going out and they're giving to charities because one, the charities take crypto. And again, they want to give a high five. They're like, this is awesome. Because yeah. they've been talking about crypto at the Thanksgiving table. Again, US centric reference. Um, but around the dinner table with their family for five years and being told that they're a weirdo, you know, like they do anime <laughs> professionally. Like that's the way you get treated if you're like trading in, in finance. Um, yeah. And now it's finally becoming a thing. They like watching this play out in the nonprofit sector. It's highly legitimizing. It's exciting. It's a clear indicator of adoption. And if that overlaps with a cause they care about, it's like all of the stars align in a way that motivates donors to step up in a way where they otherwise wouldn't. What, what um, you know, in terms of the donor demographics, are, are you, you know, the crypto holders that it, it, is it the, you know, the millennials, the, the, the gen, the, the younger generations does it vary i know just from my own experience you know you, you talk about those kind of the, the crypto community i mean I, I know a lot of those people here in thailand where, where i start where i live but in terms of what you're seeing from a donor demographic does it completely vary or is it particular particular generations that are more clued up in this space yeah i mean it definitely varies but generally speaking like your average crypto user is somewhere between 18 and early 30s um so definitely more millennial and Gen Z yeah. um, in terms of raw user numbers, uh, in terms of capital. Again, it's one of those things where because financial institutions, and, um, you know, serious investors and also, again, like university endowments, it's it's the best appreciating asset class for over a decade now. Crypto has outperformed yeah. everything. That's true. Five years ago, it's true. Ten years in every five years, it's the best appreciating asset class. People are starting to clue in. Um, the only reason I say it's not just millennial and Gen Z's is to not terrify nonprofits who think it's like TikTok. Yeah. Um, it's very much not that. It's a weird collection of uh, incredibly tech savvy, um, incredibly financially literate Gen Z's and millennials, oftentimes from kind of a, a finance or a deep tech background. These are developers and people from you know, Wall Street or, or just like investor types, whatever you think would attract you to crypto early on, like those are the two primary indicators. So it's not your general millennial or Gen Z who's just like puttering around a gap year um, following their, their graduation from university. These are usually, uh, the average gift size is about 10 times higher than that of a regular donor. Um, and they're usually significantly more motivated than the average individual. Yeah, and um, I mean, what, actually, interesting, a, a question just came up when you were talking there, and this is not, I ask this not as myself, actually, I ask it knowing, you know, some of the people who listen and the people I talk to, you know, there, there is this kind of sense, there's the people who absolutely believe in the space and understand it and in it, you know, we, we obviously have a business that kind of sits somewhat in this space with the use of blockchain. And then there's this whole kind of community of people who are just like, oh, it's going away. You know, it's, uh, it's <laughs> interesting. You just talk there about it being... I'm not sure the words you used, but, you know, it's been one of the most uh, successful appreciating assets over the last 10 years. You know, and this is people often look at, I think, you know, the crypto space in a through a kind of three month window always and don't kind of look at the history. Um, and the people that do that are often saying, oh, it'll be gone by the end of the year. And do you get that a lot? Do you have, do you deal with that kind of pushback when you're speaking to the market to charities that people are just still not really believing it's it's going to stick around and that it 
you know, and that's the China crackdown we have, you know, at the moment, and obviously the regulation coming in. Do, do you still get this kind of pushback that it's not a real space, it's going away? And like I say, I'm asking this from a kind of third party point of view, but just wondering your kind of reflection on that. No, so not anymore. I'm sure there, there are people like that out there. Um, that sentiment has mostly disappeared. I mean, and you got to remember, like we started building this in 2018. So like we began mm-hmm. when Bitcoin hit $20,000 a unit, when I had that huge run up in 2017. Um, and then like we launched our first crypto fundraising events when Ethereum had dropped from $1,400 a unit to $90 a unit. Um, yep. So like that was how we built it. So like we were trying to pitch crypto to charity <laughs> like during that window. Like again, over a two-year period, even leading up to that, Bitcoin was up like an infinite percentage. Uh, but people only think about, you know, if you buy something for a dollar and it goes up to a thousand dollars and then it drops to a hundred, um, people in the space are like, "Oh, fantastic!" In two years, I got a hundred x return or whatever it would be. But anyone yeah. from the outside looking in, they didn't look until it hit a thousand, then it dropped to a hundred. So in that window, yes, everyone was like, "This is a fad." It was the first mainstream media attention. Anyone had given it. So people met Bitcoin usually for the first time, end of 2017. They met it at around $20,000 a unit. And then they kissed it goodbye somewhere between, um, you know, $8,000 and the $3,500 low. People were like, okay, this thing's pretty much dead. Uh, this time around, I mean, Bitcoin had this tremendous run up and then it cut in half pretty much, you know, almost a 50% drop. It's still, you know, cryptocurrency is a ecosystem is a higher market cap than uh, I think in Visa, MasterCard, and PayPal combined. So I, I don't mm. think the sentiment is nearly the same. You know, Twitter makes more money, or, or rather Jack Dorsey makes more money selling Bitcoin through the Cash App than he does with all of Twitter combined. 95% of hedge funds, again, like just announced within the next couple of weeks, they're diversifying into crypto over the next five years. Um, it's getting to the point where it's like ludicrous to not look into it. It's totally fine mm-hmm. to not invest in it. Obviously, you can be like, I have a very specific financial plan. The volatility is too high. What if it goes down for a couple of years and I have to make a major purchase? Like perfectly reasonable considerations. Um, but I guess to put a pin in it, as we say to universities, when we talk to their endowments, when sometimes they're like tentative about accepting donations, let alone holding it, we're like, if your job is managing a giant pool of money, for an established institution, you ignore the best appreciating asset class for over a decade, there's a 0% chance you're doing your job effectively. Like it, you just can't possibly be, you know, you can say no, but if you're not looking at it, you're at this point, it, it's getting to be kind of crazy. Yeah. It's a pretty, pretty compelling argument, really. <laughs> I can see it. Yeah. I see your point. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it, in, you know, what, what do you, it, interesting talking about that fluctuation that we see in the market when, you know, when you're, Talking to, to charities, to you just mentioned schools, and so I assume you're also in the, the uni space. And are you do you find that you know they will keep it as the asset it is or convert to fiat? Do you have kind of strategies for charities around the best way to deal with an asset that does fluctuate that way when they're getting donations through it? So yeah, you're finding they're kind of keeping it in crypto and or it's you know, they're just facilitating the donation and then converting to fiat. Yeah, it's, it's a great question. Um, I would say like most people in their lives, people don't plan for things until they're actually happening. So mm. as we onboard nonprofits, like we always really emphasize, we're like, have a plan, like a financial plan, because your experience with this asset will change over time. So like, if you're going to have an endowment, 
or if you even envision having an endowment if certain conditions do occur, you know, the market really starts booming. Like just put that plan in place ahead of time so you don't just like FOMO, uh, which is like fear of missing out in crypto yeah. terms and, and also just in society, but um, into holding crypto at the peak of a market cycle, which is absolutely still what happens. So like a few months ago, like we had dozens of nonprofits being like shut off the auto conversion as Bitcoin was like <laughs> running up to 60K. And we were like, please have a plan. Like we can't tell them not, so we're not like financial advisors. Um, yeah. And over a long-term lens, it's still, you know, usually a better play than putting it somewhere else. But still, uh, we are seeing a lot more of that. And it is kind of hilarious. Like some of these, you know, you, you, you think multi-billion dollar institutions, like some of the bigger players that we work with sometimes, you know, they'll get that random $1.2 million crypto donation that like hits them suddenly. And they're yeah. like, we're not selling it. And it's like, you re- like, <laughs> please think about this. Yeah. For the, the long term. Um, but yeah, long story short, I'd say like four out of every five charities at this point are like locked in auto conversion. Um, and then there's 20% who either have like an endowment or a fund, or they're giving donors the option to either donate and automatically convert it or have it held by the charity, which is an amazing phenomenon that crypto allows for. Um, yeah, Say that, again, that just, pool... just touch on that again. What's sorry, the last yeah. point? Yeah, sorry, I'm rambling. Um, but that that piece is a really interesting thing. We don't talk about a lot, but like a very cool part of crypto donors and accepting crypto nations in general is like the cultural uh, shift that happens yeah. in the, the minds of the nonprofits and the people who run them themselves. And then also in the way that they address their donor community. Hmm. Um, nonprofits are almost always absolutely handcuffed by donors through yeah. you know the the reinforcement of sort of the the no overhead myth um and this idea that like if i give you a dollar it better be a dollar worth of food in the kid's hand in 45 minutes or i'm gonna scream which has just been like in any i mean imagine if that happened with like computers or something where just like if any of this money goes into innovation around the tech all scream like how sh- terrible computers would be it's the same thing in the nonprofit sector, but long story short, because crypto users have this hodl mentality, meaning like they hold it, they want to hold it for the long term, and they view crypto as something that you hold it for a while and it yep. appreciates exorbitantly. Um, they like seeing nonprofits do that. So, it's, yep. despite the fact there's this big uh, effective altruism pool in the crypto community, also where you'd think it would be less fat, you know, they'd want really low fees, really low overhead, right to the cause. Um, a huge percentage of crypto donors go, hey, I want to give you this big pile of money and I want you to sit on it. And the charities then get to not only receive the capital, but then they get to put away this rainy day fund that allows them to take some risks and scale their impact. So instead of the 100 people they've been serving for a local nonprofit for the last 10 years, they can take risk on some technology that if it hits, you know, they might be serving 5,000 people. Um, like those are the sorts of things that are allowed for because of this hold mentality for the individuals that they're transferring onto the nonprofits that I personally find super exciting. Really interesting. Yeah. Sorry, you weren't rambling at all, by the way, but I just wanted you to really mm-hmm. highlight, highlight that point because, and yeah, I think it's a, I hadn't considered it in that way. And I think it's really important for obviously nonprofits to hear that because it, it is very interesting. You're kind of changing the playing, playing field somewhat. And, you know, I think I've been kind of in the nonprofit space for some time and, all nonprofits now are trying to think more like social enterprises and it gives them that ability to, to think more like a business than just, you know, where's my next dollar. It's, it's a way of, you know, using the funds in a, in a, in a 
in a much cleverer way in terms of how they invest in their own programs over time. So yeah, cheers for, cheers for going into that. Really interesting. Um, I wanted to ask about Munch and Elongate, and these are some partnerships that you've kind of signed up recently. And interestingly, because they're organizations that we're looking at, you know, in terms of what we do and, um, you, you know, they, for, for me, yeah, this, for me, this is the kind of ICO space. These organizations are opening up new ways to, you know, increase the funding that goes into to charities. Um, I'm assuming that, you know, they're partnering with you guys because it's just a, you know, it's a great channel to get out there to more nonprofits, correct? Is there anything you can kind of share on, you know, these organizations that are introducing, I, I see it as kind of new models to, to create more capital from crypto into the, into the charity space, you know, Munch and I think Elon Gate was the, the more recent one, right? Yeah, yeah. Much and elongated have been awesome. Um, one one thing I'll do is like a, like a PSA to any of our clients who are listening to this, because like mm. these are groups who who come around. There's a, all of our clients are getting a lot of inquiries from crypto startups and companies and people you know promising the world. Um, yeah, and you know sometimes charities they'll get really wrapped up in something, they get burned or they get promised a million dollars, nothing happens, and you know they waste three weeks of time they could have spent on a mission. So like the one thing I'll say is like both of these projects, Elon Gate and Munch, like everything we've done with them so far, they've been boots on the ground, hands on, like really trying to make stuff happen for the charities, which has been super yep. exciting. And they they dealt with us being an absolute pain in the ass in terms of screening them, which is part of our job for all the charities we work with, where it's like, you know, prove it to any of these companies. Because the last thing we want is to do some big initiative, especially with a, a big name charity. Um, and then they go big on something and it's either, you know, a total wreck or nothing happens or the group actually wasn't legit. So like yep. these two examples though, um, Elon getting much, pretty much what they're doing is they are, um, in sort of a microcosm of this broader idea we're looking at. They're channeling the fact that, um, you know, charitable adoption of cryptocurrency leads to crypto adoption more broadly. Um, we believe that at uh, you know a macro scale, we think at a societal level, the more nonprofits who fundraise crypto, the more regular people get into crypto and think it's legit and cool. Um, the more people getting into crypto, the more people who buy it, the more people who own crypto, the more people who donate it, the people who donate it, the more charities who take it, the cycle goes on. Um, Munch and Elongate and these sort of charity tokens are doing that before their individual projects. So from like a selfish standpoint, both of these projects can grow their audience seriously by, you know, partnering with all these different charities, making serious donations to them, incorporating impact into their missions, and then, you know, delivering funds to these organizations that desperately need this funding to, to serve the missions they're focused on. And at the same time, the charities are looking for content to talk about cryptocurrency. Like they love mm -hmm. announcing they got a donation. They love, you know, tweeting about a crypto company and having that crypto company retweet them and their audience of all these traditional people who already support them are seeing this much token and some of them follow them and then vice versa. Um, everybody wins in that sort of a scenario and it's generating a larger user pool for those projects who are then ultimately funding these charities. So these virtuous cycles are happening, but around individual tokens, like with their own tokenomics and, and framework in hand. Um, we're seeing more projects sort of buy in uh, on that individual level. And we're hoping to see, you know, more of that in terms of startup projects and these tokens who have individual platforms, but also just exchanges and wallet providers. The, the space overall will continue to benefit if these big picture charities can start having more conversations, bringing their traditional audience into the fold. 
are, are you seeing uh, this is not something we covered before the call so i, I know when we, so if, if it's not an area you know about please just kind of sideline me but um nfts you know this is something we've been researching in terms of when you talk about nfts everyone thinks of you know the art world because there's been a lot of obviously you know i think jack dorsey and his um you know nfting his tweet and then there was the big art sale but it, this this whole kind of nft impact you know being able to kind of track impact and then create new investment options for impact investors donors are you are you seeing anything you know in that space i just noticed with elon gate they they're talking uh, they've got some media around that with, with binance i think are you seeing anything there is it something you're you're over that you you know you're, you're kind of getting into yeah yeah there's a bunch of areas around nfts it's funny every nonprofit we talk to has like a different angle yeah um so there's like the nft space as it currently exists right like you can have a platform where people are buying into and selling nfts and the individuals who buy and sell who make money doing that um in crypto like they're donating so in the same way that a bunch of people in the crypto ecosystem like they make a bunch of money they want to do something good and they Mm. want to give back just like anyone in any other sector um we're seeing a lot of that out of the nft space just artists who or artists and people who buy from those artists and then trade them on the platforms, making donations, they're becoming a donor pool. And they're then layer two, wanting to involve their actual artwork or the platform in a number of different ways. So like one thing we've done is like an actual NFT drop before the charities. Um, so the NFT platform, Nifty Gateway, like coordinated the drop with us. Um, we coordinated with a handful of charities they handpicked and wanted to support. Um, so those charities bring, you know, their marketing engines in as well, and they receive the donations as recipients. Then for the actual NFT artwork, um, the artists put it together. Um, five different influencers in the crypto space who were like fighting COVID. This was like a COVID-19 response thing. All five of the influencers were captured in five different pieces of art. So then they brought their networks in uh, as a part of that. And then yeah. the NFT drop happened. You know, the NFT platform donated fees that came off of that. The artists donated back fees that came off of the actual sales. Uh, people participated and they bought the art. And then all of the influencers were marketing that out to their audiences, trying to sell these decks of their uh, NFTs. Um, that sort of thing is super cool too. Like leveraging the literal platforms to like drive mm. funds through like a drop or an auction. Um, and then there's also just more of like a classic exchange functionality where NFT platforms are just like, hey, we're making a ton of money. You know, you know, they're making a killing just running an NFT platform. They want to work with nonprofits. One, again, from a selfish standpoint, because the marketing benefits are awesome. And two, they're, you know, these young folks making a ton of money and they feel the need to do something awesome. It's kind of offset that. Um, so that stuff's happening as well. But I, I think your question was more like giving donors NFTs specifically, like minting them as a part of the, um, yeah, so- the impact tracking framework. Yeah, I mean, your first point, actually interesting, I, I suppose what you're saying there, and I, I just I, I kind of paraphrase it back to you just for the audience, but what you're really talking about there is almost kind of digitalizing the, you know, the 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 traditional kind of fundraising methods. And actually, I imagine COVID has kind of helped this really because of the whole lockdown situation. But charities are often doing auctions and events and selling artwork. And, it, you know, the way I heard you, that that's almost like, you know, this gives you the ability to kind of digitalize that process and the, the NFT element creates uniqueness. But yeah, I, I was more asking, I suppose, just if you'd seen anything in terms of where this starts to kind of creep into, yeah, the ability to kind of mint tokens around, um, you know, validated impact and give that as a, 
an asset that can be invested in and potentially traded. And, you know, I'd, yeah, so it, it may not be in a, an area you're seeing. It's just something we're researching. And I, I wondered if it's something you, you're coming across with, you know, your kind of involvement with these other platforms like Elongate and stuff. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a cool concept. The one thing I'll say on that is just like, in general, the, the way that crypto projects like kill themselves is by going too deep. So like, yeah. I think that would be my gut feeling. Like if our team was like, Hey, we want to start like minting NFTs for people who donate, I would be like, get that out of my face. <laughs> like, yeah. like, get out of here with that. Despite the fact that I think it would be awesome. It's just like, um, you know, an order of importance type thing. Like what, how much time and energy does that take? How many people are demanding that thing? How many people would climb onto it? Like once it becomes a thing, is it sustainable? um in a real sense and like how much additional donation volume like would it create for the charities we're trying to you know drive up impact for um my gut feeling would be unless i you know systematically fail to understand how easy it would be to produce a you know a project like that i would think that that sounds like something that i'd get snared on cool good i mean look good feedback and i'm i'm wary of uh, you know how deep we've gone how quickly i've asked a lot of questions in a short time and i want to take a bit of a step back as we come to the end and um you know with with the kind of non-profits in mind who are looking at this space because it, it can you can very quickly end up in the weeds and you know what what advice do you give to you know charities out there that aren't taking crypto and are starting to look at it i mean you know how I, I think people often there's this kind of fear of oh i need you know all this kind of new technology new you know, I need to understand electronic wallets and I've got to embed something into my website. I mean, you know, how simple is it to get going? Because for me as a charity, looking at a charity, I mean, it's an ac- it's access to new donations. So it, it's kind of a given that you've got to, got to look at this at some point if you're not looking at it. But what, how simple is it to get going? You know, if you're a charity today that is traditional and, and has your, your, you know, your donation forms on your website and, and you want to start kind of opening up to this, this market as well. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good question. Um, yeah, it's multifaceted in terms of having an account that can receive cryptocurrency. Like it couldn't be easier. So like our general recommendation for, for really small nonprofits, especially where it's like we do a million different things that like a really small nonprofit just can't take advantage of. Like our two core criteria for groups that we set up, it's like one, you have an individual giving program. It doesn't need to be big, but just like, you know how to fundraise, you know, in a basic sense, you have full-time folks who are fundraisers. And then the other piece is like, you have a, a social media person, like someone who's running your social media full-time. You could be a two-person operation. And like yeah. that's what the two of you do. Um, but if those two boxes aren't checked, I would say in general, it's not worth getting into crypto just because, you know, you don't have any pieces in place. Like you shouldn't be learning Twitter for the sake of getting crypto donations. Um, you should be learning Twitter for the sake of fundraising. And if you narrowly focus on crypto to learn Twitter, then you're actually just kind of cutting out a whole bunch of other audiences. So like, that's the first core consideration. Like, do you know how to internet for lack of a better term? Yeah. Um, in just some you know baseline level? If the answer is yes, then I think for sure you should be taking crypto. The secondary consideration then is like, if you're really small, it's probably not worth um, you know, paying for a solution that like takes all the, the headaches and the, you know, is more plug and play, the one that you know, we have. If you're like a really tiny nonprofit, I would recommend you just open an institutional account with Gemini. You can literally send us an email 
like info at thegivingblock.com. And even if you are really tiny, we'll send you just instructions on how to open a Gemini account. You probably won't get donations, frankly, just because there's like a lot of stuff that goes into getting in front of the right people. But if you do, fantastic. Um, and then if you're above that, like we just have a bunch of different levels and, and resources and kind of plug and play products and services that just help nonprofits take it. Um, the baseline being what we call basic, which is just like, I want a technical solution that takes the headaches out of crypto. So I don't have to like manually build everything around an exchange account. So, you know, automatically convert it to cash or, you know, issue donor receipts in a way that actually works based on different jurisdictions and like get in front of crypto users, et cetera. Um, and then we have different tiers that are like building active crypto fundraising programs. Um, but in short, I guess like if you have buy-in at your organization or if you're the leader of your organization, please just look into it. You can just go to our website, like thegivingblock.com and just poke around stuff around crypto. And even if you are really tiny, again, just shoot us a note. Like we'll, we'll send you instructions on like how to open an exchange account. So you'll at the very least be able to receive a crypto donation if you have one uh, pending for a member of your audience. And then if you want to actively fundraise, I would say, you know, go with us. We can help you build a program up. Cool. Well, look, Pat, it's been great to chat. I was going to ask you to give you details, but you kind of gave it then. I'll just spell it out again. So it's it's thegivingblock.com if people want to go and find out more about the organization. If people want to kind of connect directly, is there, is there other places to go and kind of learn more about yourself and get in touch? Yeah. Yeah, so there's a, a couple different things. If you want to like learn about the charities we work with, we have almost 100% market share and we're fighting to get to that mark um, for, for nonprofits taking crypto. You can go to thegivingblock.com slash donate and you can check it out, you know, see organizations that look and feel like you. You can filter by topic or, you know, categories, see different jurisdictions and areas, different countries, all the different groups we work with. Um, so explore there a little bit. Um, if you're interested in like a product for accepting crypto, be the givenblock.com slash book demo, um, or just go to the website and click contact. You'll see book a demo as an option. Um, if you have a question for myself or members of our team who are like expert on a lot of these crypto uh, questions, I would just send a note to info at the givenblock.com. Those will get relayed to myself or the relevant member. Um, and then, yeah, if you're trying to read more about crypto, I would start, you know, on our website, the givenblock.com. Uh, but we've got a bunch of relevant resources if you want to ping us. Cool. Great. Well, I, look, I'll leave those, uh, I'll leave those links in the, in the podcast notes, Pat. And um, look, it's been good to, it's been good to talk. I, I sense we'll probably be talking more over the coming kind of months and years with, with the work we do. So, um, but yeah, really appreciate you joining the podcast. Yeah. I really appreciate you having me on and agree. And I'm looking forward to talking through some of the projects you guys are working on. I think we are doing is super cool. Great. Cool. Have a, have a good evening. Cheers. All right, Matt. You too. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to the Task Podcast and hope you found it interesting. If you'd like to get in touch and have a chat with myself, Matt, one of the team, then we are at hello at task.io and we'd love to speak to you. Cheers. Cheers.